Hello and welcome to A Sporting Discussion, your podcast that discusses sports of all sorts. I'm Andrew Donison, and sitting across from me is a man who his beloved Canberra Raiders have only played 80 minutes of rugby league and they've already broken his heart. AJ Mithen. They just... Uh, let's not talk about the Raiders, Andrew. I have to. I have to begin with an apology to our loyal listeners. Yeah, you haven't even said anything yet about last week's debacle. Oh yeah, go ahead, uh, you go. With you, you were out with soreness. Are you okay, by the way? You look. You look a lot better than you did. Yeah, just general soreness. General soreness. Yeah, yeah. not. It was not, awareness actually. No, it was incredibly specific soreness. <laughs> I told her. Um, so I teed up two really, really good guest hosts. Uh, we were all ready to roll. The time was set, the date was set, and then the venue fell through on us. Uh, mm. ASD Stadium, unfortunately, was being renovated uh, ahead of the new AFL season. And, uh, yeah, we, we couldn't do it. So I, I'm sorry to the listeners who would have missed, who have missed what would have been an absolutely sensational show. Oh, yeah, it would have been one of the best. I'm not sorry. That's what I'm you. hearing. I'm not sorry to you, but I am sorry. <laughs> I'm very sorry to Chris and Xavier, who were going to be our stand-in uh, hosts, because we had some really good things ready to go. Unfortunately, we just couldn't get it done. So I owe those two a guest spot All right, as we go through the year. Done. Easy. What should we talk about this week, AJ? There is Winter Paralympics. There is South Africa versus Australia in the cricket, both on the field and off the field. Sledging. Let's get into some sledging. As in, would you like to sledge me, or should we talk about sledging? Either, either. Because we're also going to be talking some NBL with the NBL Grand Final Series coming up this weekend, starting on Friday the 16th of March. Adelaide versus Melbourne. We will be joined by Scott Pride, who is a writer and live blogger for theraw.com.au. He's a ripper, knows a lot about the NBL, uh, so we're going to have a chat to him because you and I don't know a lot about the NBL. We know enough. You you actively spend most of your time ripping the NBL for being poor quality. I haven't done that for at least 12 months. Mm, Okay. The records will show differently. Let's move on, shall we? Oh, look, it might have been 11 Let's months ago. Let's move on, shall we? It might have been 11 months ago <laughs> when we last discussed it and I talked about the quality, but hey, who am I to judge? I'm not one of the 688,712 people who filed in through the gates to watch the games. But, AJ, that was just a little bit Jesus, of... Jesus, we are rambling over. No, 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 no. That was just a little bit of cheeky tate-a-tate. A little bit of back and forward. A little bit of trying to get in each other's head. And that's what sledging's all about, isn't it? Is it? I thought sledging was uh, abusing. Mental disintegration. So I think that over time, and I might be wrong with my original thoughts of what sledging is, but over time I think that it's been appropriated to become synonymous with abusing people. And But it is, isn't it? it by, the, by the very definition of the term, it's abusing someone. Possibly, I don't. I don't know what the official definition of sledging is, but what we're going off here is at three a.m. after Andrew clocked off from his white line wireless commentating duties, uh, in a drunken haze, he posted something. No, no, about I sta- I'm one hundred percent stand by well, everything read, read I it say. Out, read it out to us, and let's go through it here. Well, you'd, uh, so this is this is basically what I have always thought about sledging, and I think I've said it on the show before. Sledging is not abusing. That's my contention. Celebrating a wicket 
is not sledging. Abusing is abusing. Touching the batsman with your shoulder, no matter how softly, is not on. There are differences. They can't all be lumped together. So not everything that happens is is sledging. Kehiso uh, Rabada, when he just very gently but deliberately dipped his shoulder into Steve Smith, that gets bored into all this. You, well, that's obviously not sledging. That's misconduct. Exactly. Yes. But it gets, it gets bored up into this like, like sledging Scream, argument. Screaming in right. someone's face after you've dismissed them, that's not sledging. That's just being an idiot. Yeah, but it's, but it's being called sledging. So oh, that's I don't where, know. I don't know about that. Well, I see, I think it is, and I think that's where the, the term... Forget about the term. You can't abuse someone. You can't have a go mm. at well, someone for like race, gender, sexuality, whatever. Well, explain this to me then. Okay. Australia have selected a wicketkeeper in the past for the pure fact that he yaps his mouth, that he runs his mouth. We've been through that. Okay, uh, yeah. They have... Can, can, I, can I jump they, in no, no, and yet. respond to that one? Okay, they no. have moved... Uh, asked the host broadcaster in South Africa to turn the stump mics down because mm. a, a key part of their game plan is to unsettle their opposition through verbal jousts and barbs. Mm. Uh it's we saw David Warner and Quentin de Kock blow up in their change rooms. Yep. Which that was bad. started out on the field and basically continued all the way up to the room, respective mm. rooms. Um this has given rise to all number of theories about who can cop it and who can't give it and what's fair game and what's not. Um help me out here. If it is the is the is this a legitimate sporting tactic? As Absolutely Australia seems to involve? Of course it is. Everyone. Like, I, I'd, I would imagine that it happens in nearly every sport. You'd be at the, at the ground watching Geelong play down at Cadinia Park and if someone's having a shot for goal from the opposition, you'd be yelling and screaming to try to put them off if they're having a shot for goal after the siren. It's all, so I'm going to go back to the, the Matthew Wade um, thing that you so eloquently describe as they brought him in because he loves to to yap they bought my perspective on that they brought him in because he keeps the talking he keeps the energy up in the field and i know we disagree on that and that's that's 100 percent fine but he certainly wasn't bought in merely to abuse people that's that's your take on it and that's fine you sure but i'm sure yes Mm, okay um but for playing cricket i've always thought that if you can do anything to put the batsman off, playing any sport, if you can do anything to put the the opposition off. When I'm like playing playing football, you stand in the mark and someone's having a shot for goal. You don't just stand there quietly. You try to put them off through actions, through words. You don't go, I'm gonna, you know, kick you in the nuts and drag your parents down into my den and no, I found standing there quietly put them off more than jumping around and making noise. Which is a legitimate tactic, and so you're choosing to do that. So for like sledging, but I'll, if they do that to me, I don't. I'm not in my right. If they do that back to me, sorry, <laughs> then we've said this over and over and over again. If you're going to be giving crap, if you're going to be sledging, if you're going to be abusing, if you're just going to be trying to put someone off their game, when someone returns the favour, you've got zero right to feel aggrieved or fire up about your treatment. Absolutely. And that's where we saw this get out of hand, where David Warner, it's not 100% clear what he said. There's rumours that he was talking about Quinta de Kock's sister or his wife. and Strenuously denied, but still out there. Still out there. And then 
Quinton de Kock made a, a comment about David Warner's wife, which set him off. And I think you're right. So there's a lot of talk about the line and what the line is. Well, the line is conveniently green and gold for Australia because apparently our team decides what's inbounds and what's out of bounds. Well, no. So I just think that in this instance, David Warner has Sean McLaughlin on Twitter put it quite well. Live by the sword, die by the sword. Boundaries where offence is taken are personal. If you don't want people bringing up subjects that may offend you, maybe you shouldn't do the same to them. Yeah, amen so I think that. that's right. That's but right. Where where it where it starts to get blurry is when you do start to to make it personal and make it about the person's family. Like just don't bring that into it. Stand at first slip and sing La La by Ashley Simpson like a, a guy in in my cricket team did. That was that was the best. The batsman had no idea what was going on. It put them off that one percent, that five percent. Uh, we got a great uh, bit of feedback from Glenn Peters mm. at Night Watchman on Twitter, who said. I'm a very annoying first slip on most weekends, but things are changing. Life and attitude on behaviour is changing. Macho bullshit sledging is dumb and going past its use-by date. That's true, and that's a good thing. Sledging can be fine, but don't be a dick. Well, that's rule number one, I guess, for Mm -hmm. life. Don't be a dick. Uh, Stuff that's demeaning to women, racist, homophobic is bad, and it's over, and it has been for many years since Nicky Winmar raised his jumper. The dinosaurs don't understand decency and will refuse to get it, so good luck to them. Yep. I completely Well that's the thing, isn't it? Especially Glenn's point about everyone everything moving on. The macho the macho stuff has gone, mm. but a number of our Aussie cricketers and a lot of weekend warrior cricketers, I imagine, uh just can't can't get past it. Yeah, people still get up in someone's face and yell and scream and then go, Oh, you're a you're a dickhead mate, yeah, rah rah rah. So come on. Let let's be a little bit smart about it. Let's be witty. Uh, I, I think Kehiso Rabada, there's been a lot of talk about whether he should have been suspended or not, people taking his actions in isolation. Now, do you think that he should have been suspended? Can you help me out? I didn't watch a lot of the test because I have a life, and you saw the whole thing. Mm. What actually happened? Because there's like three or four different things, plus people are saying he's got previous forms. So can you 25 words or less it for me? So, really aggressive getting in the face uh, send-offs and dropping the gently, but dropping, I did see that dropping the shoulder yeah. in yeah. to Steve Smith. Now, that in and of itself would have been worth X number of demerit points, which wouldn't have probably wouldn't have seen him miss a test match. However, he's got previous oh, surely physical physical contact gets you a match, but let's, uh, that's for another time. So. Yeah, so he, but he's got previous indiscretions, one uh, against Sri Lanka and one against India, one making physical contact with a batsman and one just uh, a foul-mouthed send-off to Ben Stokes. Okay. Very uh, loud, very audible. We did have a good piece of feedback from Adrian Moran. Mm. Uh, from the Durham, Durham Castle Arms in Canberra, is that correct? That's correct. That's down in Kingston. Get down there and get a nice craft beer into your face. Uh, Adrian says, celebrating a wicket is different to screaming in someone's face, though. Uh, Rabada deserves his un- upcoming ban to get his attitude back in line, which is a good point because Rabada's only 22, isn't he? Yeah, he's a, so he's he can, a young guy. He can be panel beaten back into uh, some kind of... Straight and narrow. Yeah, he's a 22-year-old who has taken four 10-wicket hauls in his test career. Not a completely, which... not not completely into line because then you're no, no, you're boring. You can't have boredom. 
cricket's boring enough without turning everyone into bloody... But according to you, yes. yes. All sports are boring. Golf's boring. I liked... Uh, we got a few on Facebook, actually. Tegan Froz... Sorry, let me French. read that. Frosley Wrench. Wench? Is that... Tegan French. Okay, Tegan French. Thanks, Tegan. Sledging is childish nonsense, and I still can't believe grown men and women engage in it. Amen. Yeah. I'd... I've I've always been an action... Action speaks louder than... Uh, the oh. words, and if someone is spending their whole day making it their business to try and get stuck into you, uh, they're not focused on their own game, are they? Well, that, that's the thing. It, it, are they then detracting from their own performance? So are you trying to tell me that you've never spoken to an opposition, you've never tried to put someone from the opposition off in your sporting career? No, not really. <laughs> really? Honestly. Honestly. And I was a demon fast, quick bowler. Okay. But uh, I spoke with the ball in my hand, Andrew. I bowled a hurt. And uh, when I batted, I knew I was no good. So anyone trying to rubbish me, yeah, couldn't couldn't make couldn't make me look any stupider than I did already. I, I, actually, I gave I, did. I had altercations with people on the field, but usually uh, the team I played in, we would sledge the or yeah sledge the opponent through at, through each other. Oh, there you go. So you, you yes. did okay. We never actually directly addressed. The batsman, if it was a batsman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you still did it. We would be talking to each other. You did things to try to put people off. Earshot, we like to call it. But you did things to try to put people off. Yeah. Yes. Okay, good. That's all right. Um, no, I'm, I was the same with batting hand. I used to always join in. First slip. Yeah. Would. Oh, this guy's shit. No, like, one, mate, no I'm coming in I'm, at 11. I'm, it's 11. Coming at 11, you moron. Yeah. Oh, dear. Um, Mitch Marsh, yes. he, yeah. he received demerit points for as well for language. And that's entirely fair enough. That's consistent with what Rabada has got. So the send-off that he gave Ben Stokes, <laughs> it was, was for audible that, obscenities. That was the dismissed batsman sending off the bowler, though. I was the dismissed batsman <laughs> suggesting that the bowler yes. should pull his head in. Yes. But look, the umpires, I think, after that first test, they didn't necessarily deal with it very well in mm. the first test. They did, they did deal, it with, deal with it well in the second. Can't people get sent off now? Or is that coming later? Oh, now there's a yellow and red card. Yeah. What happened to that? That Yellow card half an hour or something. Oh, I'm not sure whether that's let's, actually come into international that. cricket. Let's send that to the research division for the first time in a long time. But, but I think we've, we've been talking for a very long time about this. I want to wrap it up with Danny Webster, who got onto us on Facebook, yep. who said, A few years ago, there was very little sledging in cricket. And what little there was was clever and witty. It sadly seems to have evolved into aggressive spite and nastiness. That has no place in the game, I reckon. Maybe I'm just getting old. AJ, it is finals time. It is grand final time in the NBL. Love ourselves some basketball here on a sporting discussion. Uh, but while we like to watch it, we like to take it in, we may not know as much about it as we would like to. Mm. And in the spirit of a sporting discussion, it's time to bring in someone who knows, who knows a lot more about a topic than we do. So to talk NBL Grand Finals and NBL Seasons 2017-18, we are talking with Scott Pride, writer and live blogger for theraw.com.au. Scott Pride, welcome to a sporting discussion. G'day, guys. Thanks for having me on. 
Scott, it's been a record-breaking year in the NBL. After a, a few years in the doldrums, we've seen a lot of investment go in off-court, and we've seen the the advantage. Six hundred and eighty-eight thousand seven hundred and twelve people came through the gates to attend a, a match this year, which is just amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, crowds have been on the increase, and I know speaking from experience, I've been to a number of games for the uh, Sydney Kings here in Sydney, and uh, crowds have been absolutely sensational. You listen to Perth crowds on TV or Melbourne crowds, and they're um, you know almost sold out all the time. I think Perth has had something like ninety five percent capacity this season, which is absolutely sensational for the league when you consider um, where it was a couple of years ago. Exactly right. Well, you talk about Perth, and AJ and I, whenever we talk about NBL, we usually sort of do drift off to the Perth crowds because yeah. they are just the best. <laughs> they love any Perth, any sport. They love it. They love the, it over there. The, the, yeah. The capacity at Perth Stadium is 13,611. Their average crowd was 13,120. So there were 500 spare seats on average in a 13,500-seat stadium, which it, it's outrageous. Which, yeah, I don't know that you'd find a stat like that anywhere else in Australian sport. It's just I, <laughs> I put it on Twitter the other week that they're probably the best crowd, the best crowd we have in Australia. It's, it's absolutely amazing what yeah, they do. The atmosphere, atmosphere over there in the West would be incredible. It'd be great to get to a game. Now, just on the league itself, uh, we gave a little bit of a booting last year here on a sporting discussion because we thought it was a little bit, little bit stagnant. But this year, things have gone uh, beyond crowds. There's uh, cash flowing. There's sponsorship flowing. There was the NBA tour uh, in pre-season where Melbourne United almost got the Oklahoma City Thunder. They've just today, we're recording on the Wednesday uh, they've just announced that they've uh, signed a big deal with Under Armour, uh, the apparel company. Here. What's what's it all down to, Scott? Help us help us understand. It's uh, the the quality of play on court. It has a big part to do with it. Um, the investments of Larry Kesselman have have really um, allowed the league to grow. Um, I mean, obviously, eight teams isn't ideal, and, and the idea of expansion coming up will be will be uh, hotly debated, no doubt, in the next couple of years. But as long as they continue to expand the league and expand that on-court talent that we've seen this year, some of the guys that have come out from the States um, and, and continue to come back, for example, Casey Praver, uh, um, could be playing anywhere around the world, but he continues to come back to Australia. That's just one example. But we have a number of imports who have really lifted the quality of the league this year. Then you've got all of our domestic Australians as well coming through. Um, I think a big look, uh, the, the Australian boomers playing in the Asian um, division has also helped. In terms of development, the um, Australian Boomers team for the recent uh, FIBA World Cup qualification matches has been picked entirely out of the NBL, which is absolutely awesome for blokes like Nathan Sobey, Mitch Creek, um, who are getting runs with the, the Boomers in that way. Um, it's just helping the league out of sight. Yeah, and uh, it's definitely helping the promotion as well. You're right. Um, one thing that uh, we did want to ask about was the uh, one-and-done rule or the one-and-done pool uh, where Larry Kesselman has come out and said they want to have a – or was it Jeremy Lelligo? I can't remember and it doesn't matter um, – having a pool of funding to bring high school graduates out here who maybe don't want to have to go to college because over in the States uh, – I don't know if the listeners know – you have to go to college before you go to the NBA – uh, yeah. Unless yeah, you've got to do at least one year, so there's a lot of players who go for one year. Now, Terence Ferguson, who played for the Adelaide uh, 36ers out here, is now uh, playing in the NBA. Uh, he is probably the best example of how it works, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd say um, there's going to be a lot more examples in the coming years. Terence Ferguson, uh, by all reports, loved his time out here with the Adelaide 36ers playing under Joey Wright. 
um, and he's making a, an absolute killing of it back in the States now. What it allows guys to do is come out here and play professional basketball. You train five days or four days a week. You play on the weekends. You don't have any college commitments to attend. You don't have any out of... You're playing professional basketball in a men's league, not against other college kids. And yeah, I mean, sure, it's a bit left field. It's it's not something that a, a lot have done over the years, but I think uh, in the next five years or so, you're going to see a lot more of these high school kids coming out, um, starting the year on the bench with NBL size, and by the end of it, uh, being a real key player, um, as Ferguson was for the um, 36ers. And the, the the NBL are really backing it by. There's, I was reading an article which suggested that uh, players will be paid a hundred thousand Australian dollars guaranteed, so about seventy eight thousand US, which is an amazing inducement for these people to to come over and play their their one and done year. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, the financial rewards, and I'm sure Terence Ferguson would have had a part of that. Um, I know he wrote a, an article for the Players' Voice um, not that well, sort of when he finished up with the 36ers about how he wanted to um, help his mum and, you know, how he never wanted her to want for anything. And um, it's that financial um, investment that will con- like be the, I suppose, the cherry on top of the cake um, of playing professional basketball for these guys coming out from the States. Well, that's good for the high schoolers coming out of the States, but does that have a... I mean, there's still a lot of logistics to be worked out and a lot of admin to be uh, typed up and emailed out, but uh, what does that mean for a younger Australian player? Yeah, so to an extent, it has a um, a detrimental effect for sure, but a lot of the younger Australian players um, are picked up by the NBL clubs as development players. Now, that means they play um, a certain amount of games per year. They're training with the squads. Um, Certainly not on the same financial, and that, you know, financial um, is... It's certainly going to come into it when, when this all happens. But I think um, for this American high school, the one-and-done rule, as we're talking about, for that to work, I think you've got to have um, expansion. You've got to have another two clubs in the NBL, at least a 10-team league, and that allows more Australian talent to be picked up by clubs. It gives the younger Australian guys a bigger role. Um, I guess the biggest thing will just be finding the balance of not diluting the talent pool too much. But if you've got more guys coming out from the States, you should be able to um, uh, negate that factor. And this weekend, Scott, is the grand final series or the commencement of the grand final series. The top four teams throughout the season, they spent basically the entire season in the top four. Cairns were in the top four for the first four weeks of the year. And after that, it was just uh, Melbourne, Adelaide, Perth and New Zealand. So it was the four best teams. We've now got the two best teams, Melbourne and Adelaide, in the finals. Now... Adelaide scored 220 more points than Melbourne in the regular season. Melbourne conceded 230 points less than Adelaide in the regular season. Is it as simple as saying it's going to be Adelaide's offence against Melbourne's defence? To an extent, yeah. Um, I think, for for starters, this series is going to be an absolute cracker. Um, Melbourne and Adelaide played four times during the regular season, but they're all before Christmas. Now, Melbourne won all of those games, but Adelaide have finished the season in absolutely amazing form. Um, and I think the way this series is going to work is going to be the containment of Josh Boone for Melbourne, the big centre, um, import centre for Melbourne. Um, he scored, I think, 33 points and 15 rebounds in Melbourne's Game 2 semi-final win against New Zealand. Um, and how Melbourne are able to contain Adelaide's fast break, um, which is which actually killed Perth, um, especially in Game 1 when they won by 35 points or something like that. Um, if, if Melbourne can't contain Adelaide's pace through guys like Nathan Sobey and Mitch Creek, uh, I think you might find Adelaide 
win this series, but it's going to be an absolute cracker. And you're right, Melbourne's defence um, is going to have a big say in it. Yeah, there's. Go- I think that Boone's under a little bit of an injury cloud, but uh, everyone's under an injury cloud. Grand final in the lead up to a grand final, aren't they? Um, the I want to talk about game two over in Perth, where Adelaide were down eighteen, uh, and basically that's it. Usually, that's the graveyard. You're you're eighteen down against Perth in Perth, and you're finished. And Adelaide fought back to take the win, and to take the win pretty well in the end. It was really really good to watch. What's the secret? How, do, how have they turned it around? And I guess United as well. United had their traditional pretty ordinary start to everything before turning it around themselves. So, Yeah, so the secret for Adelaide, well, it's not really a secret. Um, they come out and they play fast. They run the floor. They put defence um, under pressure from the word go. They look to dominate the boards and just get straight up. Um, I think the big, the big thing for Adelaide is how the... Um, how Ramon Moore plays off the bench. Um, he, he played for Melbourne last year, but he's he's been playing the six-man role for Adelaide this year, and it gives him a lot of depth. Um, as for Melbourne, I think, um, as I talked about Josh Boone, but they have weapons to hurt you all over the floor. Um, Casey Pratt has just come back from injury. Uh, you've got Chris Golding out there, who's uh, an Australian boomer, um, and also uh, Ty Wesley and David Anderson, who's played for the boomers for many, many years. I think um, if those if those guys all light up, it's going to be pretty tough for Adelaide to sort of slow them down, especially as you mentioned before, Adelaide's defence um, is not not what they're known for um, in that way. It's a strange kind of final series, grand final series, because it's not Perth versus New Zealand. Um, we get Adelaide versus Melbourne. Um, uh, Adelaide, South Australia, Victoria, there's always a fairly hefty rivalry. Do you reckon there's a bit more juice in this one? Yeah, I think um, Adelaide-Melbourne is... Yeah, definitely. They've been rivals for many, many years in that way. Um, the, the South Australia Victoria um, feud goes across many different sports, as I'm sure you blokes are aware. Um, it's going to be weird watching a grand final series of Outperf in New Zealand. Uh, last time they were, they were not, neither, neither team were in the um, grand final. I think it was 08 09 when Joe Ingalls, who now plays for the Utah Jazz and the South, South Melbourne Dragons, won against Melbourne Tigers. So it's been a long, long time. But I think um, it's it's going to be refreshing to see a, a fast-paced, aggressive grand final series, whereas Perth and Melbourne, uh, sorry, Perth and New Zealand have um, been over their run quite defence first under um, Dan Vickerman and um, uh, Paul Hanare and Trevor Gleeson, respectively. All right, Scott, it's time to put your basketballs on the line. Give us a prediction. <laughs> Who and in how many? You know what? I think the home team will win... Every single game of this series, I think they will all go down to the wire. I think we'll see overtime twice, uh, Melbourne to win 3-2. Whoa. Who you got, Andrew? I've got Melbourne because I love Chris Goulding. <laughs> In what? you got to give us a... That's, that's a, not a prediction. That's a prediction. Uh, they'll win in four. Oh, they'll win, oh, yeah, so they'll win over in Adelaide. Uh, all right. 3-1. Yeah, well, I think Melbourne can win over in Adelaide, but Adelaide can win over in Melbourne. I've got them in four. 36 is in four. Okay. 36 is in four. Well, no, that means that they will win in front of their home crowd in, in game four. Well, that'll work. Take the, <laughs> take the common sense out of that. <laughs> Scott, we want to thank you so much for having a chat to us here on a sporting discussion. Uh, hopefully we can chat to you again soon. Thank you for having me on, boys.
Andrew, the Winter Paralympics are on in Pyeongchang, South Korea. Uh, been going for about a week, got about a week to go. Some really, really good things happening over there. What Fill us in. So triumph and tragedy as well. I'll, I'll start with the bad news. That is a good cliche. Thank you. Good cliche riddled start. Excellent. I'll, I'll start with the bad news first, and that was Joni Badenhorst, who is the co-captain or one of the co-captains. She's a snowboarder. And she said she was feeling the best she ever felt on a snowboard course before she dislocated her kneecap two days before she was to compete. Oy, oy, oy. She carried the flag in the opening ceremony, yep. then dislocated her kneecap, and even worse than that, she failed to compete in the Sochi 2014 Games after she crashed on her final training run with a collapsed hip and dislocated knee. Oh, I remember that. Uh, oh, so that is brutal. Two year or two Olympics <laughs> in a row. Poor bugger. Which Bloody is hell. yeah, very very disappointing for for her. She'd also she'd come into the games with two World Cup titles recently as well. So it was a pretty good chance of meddling, which disappointing for her. Mm. But what's the good news? Speaking of meddling, Simon Patmore, hey. the first Australian man to win medals at both a winter and summer Paralympics. Something real. He got gold in the snowboard cross, yeah. which is in addition to his 200-metre T46 sprint at the London 2012 Paralympics. So had a run and then decided I can do it on, on the snow, <laughs> which is it, it's amazing when you think about it that you can be... The, the best in the world. Now, uh, Snowboard Cross SBUL yes. uh, is, I'm just looking at this here, is a category for athletes with a physical impairment affecting one or both arms and they compete standing up. Mm-hmm. There's an SBLL category uh, in the Snowboard Cross as well where competitors compete sitting down. Right. Yes. Yeah, so it, it was an amazing effort by... Uh, by Pat Moore, so it was the first Winter Olympics, Winter Paralympics gold medal in 16 years for Australia. That's brilliant. Which, yeah, amazing stuff. And there's also been two bronze medals, and that's been by the the one person, Alpine skier Melissa Perrine. So, AJ, yes. This we, is all pretty good news, isn't it? We've gone skiing before. Yeah. We <laughs> at school, we went on school camp. I've been skiing once. I've been skiing once. I went longer <laughs> than you because you I, fell over and I did my knee. Did you? So <laughs> we're back. I got driven down the mountain in a cart. We're, we're not very uh, good skiers. We're rubbish. Melissa Perrine. So she won bronze, which is that. That's good. She's vision impaired. She needs a guide in front of her whilst oh, wow. going downhill on her skis. It is just. Insane. There's no way I'm doing that. No, 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 no. So doing slalom and just trusting the person in front of you. Uh, no, nah, it is. It's incredible what these people I do. I don't trust you enough to t- let you do that. <laughs> well, could you imagine both of us, one of us, trying to guide the other on skis down a hill? Left, <laughs> no, left, left, left. left. 
Left? No, that's the, uh, left. <laughs> so there's been some some other pretty cool stuff in the the Winter Paralympics as well, and one of them is you. You really love your Winter Olympics and Paralympics, don't you? I can see your face lighting up. Oh, you, it's just the you, stories. I like... loved you love the Winter Olympics with the red gnarly. Oh, I love it. Yeah, you love the Winter Paralympics with the red gnarly stuff as well. And I love the the stories of people as well. So Brazilian. Christian Ribeira, the youngest participant at the Olympics, came sixth in the men's cross-country long-distance sit-in. And do you know what? He sees snow once a year. <laughs> it, he's, apparently they train on, on rollers. That's not in Brazil. No, no, they travel to, to go and get some, some snow. He said that they could go over to, um, uh, to, to a couple of other countries to where they do have the, the, the snow, but he's just gone, they're not very wheelchair-friendly and wheelchair-accessible. Yeah, God. So there's, yeah, really, really cool uh, stuff going on. But AJ, have yes. you managed to see it? I have not seen one second of it. Is that by choice? No. Yeah. I really do want to see it. I've seen, well, I haven't seen one second live. live. I should qualify. I've seen uh, videos on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, Channel 7 have the rights for it, but you wouldn't know because uh, they're showing what all of those bloody porn star show, sh- porn shop what? shows and ice oh. road truckers and all that crap, P-A-W-N, Andrew. Um, it, uh, we've, we've said this over and over and over again. If you put sport on, people are going to watch it. If yeah. you put sport on, I'm going to watch it. It doesn't matter what it is. People will sit down and take an interest in it. And the big thing, and... I've said it in recent times and I've only come around to this recently, is it doesn't matter what channel it's on. Everyone has access to the so-called secondary channels. Some yeah, of them might we, not we be in HD. We here on a sporting discussion don't buy the argument that, oh, it's on seven, mate, so I can't watch that. It's a it's one press of your finger away. Yeah. And it's, uh, quite it's simple. oh, it's not in high def. Bad luck. Just watch it. Yeah, it's on your deal telly. with it. St- standard def's still pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> so is there any reason why Channel 7 have decided not to show this? They, they do, what, an hour package? They do a one-hour package. Um, it's just bloody stupid. Yeah. Why would you get the... Uh, it's pretty offensive, too, to people who actually do want to watch the Paralympics because um, they've paid the money and now they're burying it like it's like soccer, like that, Channel 7 did. And that's the thing, though. They've, they've got it. They've got the footage... So just press play on 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 the the button. Yeah, and go. I'm sure it's as simple as that. And the problem is, all the other networks are on restrictions. Oh, of course. Yeah, yes. It's an, it's an official Olympic event, and official Olympic broadcaster rules apply. That's um, right. What was the event that we it might have even been? It's the Commonwealth Games, which is coming up. Where there's you're, you're allowed thirty seconds, but no more than. Three minutes in total in an yeah, hour. For, yeah. No, for a day, for a whole for day. For a day. Yeah. Anyway, we don't know if that's the case for the Winter, winter Paralympics. But, it's but just, Channel it's, 7, just show it. Just show it. It's bloody stupid. There's yeah. good stories. There's good sport. There's good athletes. Australia's doing well. We're 14th on the medal table. I mean, why wouldn't you bloody show it? Which is exactly where the they wanted to be as well. The I'm not sure what the official title of the Australians' um, like strategy is for Olympics and Paralympics, but they wanted to be top 15 in the medal tally in the Paralympics. They're doing it, but you wouldn't know it.
AJ, I want to finish off with something that is close to your heart for a number of reasons. Ooh, is this a without notice? It is a without notice. Ooh, fine. We haven't had a without notice for a little while. But I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to trip you up. I want to have a, a genuine discussion about this. And it's about AFL players. There's two things that I want to talk about. The first one is the mid-season draft. Now, Gil McLaughlin, the head of the AFL, yep. seems intent on having a mid-season draft. And he's getting no traction with the players and the coaches at the moment. Do or you know next to no. What would work better? Mid-season trade period, not draft. Oh, okay. Yes. Because there's uh, teams can, under a draft system, teams can stock up on players from outside the system or on contract or rookies inside the system. Yep. You know me. I'm a market man. I want a free-for-all. I want anyone to be able to go anywhere at any time. So you want to go back to the old days of Silvio Fraschini playing for Carlton one week and Sydney the next. Damn right. I don't. I, I, there is a point. I don't want it to go as far as Major League Baseball has, where guys get traded halfway through a game. Oh, and they really? Make, make a play, throw the ball back to the catcher, wave to the crowd, leave the field, get into a car, go to the airport, go into another city, get out of the airport, get into a car, go to a different ballpark, put a different uniform on, walk out, wave to the crowd and take their position in the field. <laughs> but, yeah, that's, that's, that's a touch extreme. That is extreme. But I want, I, want, uh, uh, I want the players to be able to go wherever they want. But oh, No, sorry, I've said that wrong. I want players to move whenever, wherever, however – but a big stumbling block in the AFL is uh, that both parties have to agree to a trade. So yes. if I decided to trade you to Chicks Talking Footy, mm. you would have to agree to the trade. I'd much prefer to sit and talk to them. <laughs> yeah, so would I, actually. <laughs> um, so that's the thing in the AFL. Uh, the player gets the final say. In my world, forget it. Clubs can move people wherever they want. And if you don't want to move, get a no-trade clause. Be good enough to get a no-trade clause put into your contract. Okay. Interesting. I love it. Sorry, I get carried away because I love, I love player movement. It's the best way to refresh your team and keep things moving along during a season. And a mid-season draft or mid-season, mid-season action would be perfect. So you talk about the, the players moving and Patrick Dangerfield from Adelaide to Geelong was one of the big ones in recent times. Now, Patrick Dangerfield, over the last 12 months, has really built his media brand. And Good on him. some people, <laughs> the typical people on social media who use the term flog, uh, <laughs> are those who go, oh, you know, it's all about danger, rah, rah, rah. Did you see Patrick so Dangerfield? What? Yeah, I know. Did you see Patrick Dangerfield, his Instagram story where he was videoing himself trying to escape Cadinia Park without the reporters finding him or yeah, knowing? Yeah, it was brilliant. It was Loved amazing. It. I love that. That's he really He was trying good. to get into the car with his old man driving, but then his old man didn't, didn't unlock the door. So when he got to the car, he couldn't get in and all the journos saw him and came over and harassed him. <laughs> so player power is something that's a, a bit of a, a theme between the, the, those last two, the mid-season trade and then the, the building of an individual brand. There was an article written today. It's only just gone up by Anthony Colangelo of The Age 
Footballers, AFL footballers, are being encouraged to speak out against what they see as misinformation in the media by publicly highlighting factually incorrect stories to take back control of their images. Damn right. So it's the AFL Players Association has been meeting clubs in recent months about a range of issues, including the media. One of the player union's suggestions to combat inaccurate stories was for footballers respectfully to call out factual errors or what they regard as unfair reporting. That's unreal. That yeah. is years, years and years overdue. And I was just thinking about this last night. This is, I was doing a little bit of writing for something else. And mm. this is exactly where the AFL is miles behind the NRL. An NRL player... <laughs> <laughs> will tell you exactly what they think of what you've written or w- what a member of the public says if it's incorrect. Marina Go, who's the chair of the West Tigers, mm-hmm. fronted a moron on Twitter who was writing a whole story about how uh, West should go to Perth. And this is just some nobody with 80 followers. And she fronted him and said, you don't know what you're talking about, mate. <laughs> Here's some facts. That's exactly what has to happen. I yeah. mean, the... More players in the media or in the in the social media, more players out in the world uh, being themselves because there's no there's and we've experienced it ourselves. There's no tighter place to try and get an interview from or even just a sentence from than the AFL and now unfortunately the AFLW. They're very very tightly managed. The clubs guard everything. If you can get it just from a player's mouth, that's perfect. Yeah, and the thing with the players getting more involved in in that regard, if they call out articles that are just like, hang on, that's not right, yeah. it will encourage them to speak out on other issues, to get their own story out, and it will stop this incessant reporting on Patrick Dangerfield has a hamstring injury. Will he be ready for round one? Mm. We're going to have Danger Watch for the next two weeks. Now, oh, they'll still do that. But nothing that, that anyone does or says is going to change whether or not he runs out on that first match. So mm. why the hell do they continue to do it when there are so many other stories that you could be talking about? I don't know. That, that's what frustrates, what frustrates me. That's but, a good news story, though. Don't, don't come out of that angry. That's really, really good. That players, oh, that's amazing. Players are being encouraged to correct morons like us who go out running their mouth about uh, this, that, and the other, and also journos themselves uh, fronting them about making them accountable for what it is they're writing and putting out there. That's perfect. It is, and something similar to that. And you talked about the was it the West Tigers? Yeah, getting involved. Peter Beattie. Now, do you want to give us a, just a, a quick rundown of what his new role is and what happened when he talked to Gus Gould? He's the chair of the Australian Rugby League Commission. And uh, he's come in to reform the board of the ARLC and get the place ready for expansion and also basically clean up the back end. There's a lot of, there's a lot of mistrust between the board, the clubs, and you know, there's a lot of trouble in rugby league at the back in the admin world. Mm-hmm. Um, he did an interview with Gus Gould on Channel 9. I think the show's called 100% Footy. It's similar to uh, the uh, Channel 9's AFL show, Footy Classified. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was asked to name the team that comes from the Sutherland area. Is it the Cronulla Hawks, the Cronulla Seagulls, or the Cronulla Sharks? Now, that's a joke question, because the last chairman, John Grant, uh, was stuffing up names of teams uh, and players when uh, he was in the role. Uh, He was calling teams, I think he called them the... 
Oh, I can't remember the hawk. He called someone the hawks, and he called someone else the seagulls. Yeah. So they asked a funny, you know, Gus asked a funny question because Peter Beatty is a self-confessed rugby tragic. In yeah, yeah. Air quotes. Uh, he's also a career politician. Yep. Uh, we've spoken about politicians and sport before. He didn't have a clue. He didn't have a clue who what the answer was because he's a Queensland former Queensland premier, former Queensland premier, Labor machine man, all of that. Um, but. His big thing about being part of the AR, being becoming chair of the ARLC was because he knew the game and he understood what was going on. However, he did that. He said, oh, look, "He's just going to look." I don't know. <laughs> I just don't. I had but, to. Uh, I had to rewind that and watch it over and over and over again because is he is he joking? Yeah, I thought no, he was he's initially. Not, he's, he's not, not joking. joking. But here here is something that he then put out on Twitter the following day: a photo of him. And um, the I think it's the Cronulla Sharks coach. This was me. Oh, yes, this was me Saturday night with the Sharks coach. Yes, I stuffed up the answer. Just nervous in front of the great Phil Gould. Yeah, I'm human. I had a mental blank. The price of doing the NRL and the Commonwealth Games at the same time. Thanks, Gus, for having me on the show. Give me a break. So- you, you don't buy that, not you for a second. But isn't and it good that he's just come out and gone? Anyone who followed his political career knows that that is. That's his crisis management 101 move. Put out a groveling apology and say, oh, well, I didn't realise. Oh, what a stuff up, hey? Anyway, let's all move on and never worry about this again. So you're not happy with him? Still uh, not happy with him? uh, Look, to be honest, it really has no bearing on whether he can do his job well. It Mm. it, it means absolutely nothing for the fan in the stands. whether he knows who Cronulla, who the Cronulla Sharks are or not, or who the Cronulla Hawks are, means nothing to rugby league fans in the stands. So I guess he's going to be judged on the work he does. AJ, that will do us for another episode of A Sporting Discussion. We'd like to thank Scott Pride for coming on and talking about the NBL, uh, the season and the grand final series coming up. That's right. You can catch Scott's work on theraw.com.au. Uh, he's fairly prolific over there, so jump over there and have a look at his quality output. And where can we catch you, AJ? You said you did some writing before. You're allowed to tell us what oh, you... I'm not allowed to say anything about anything yet. Okay, um, fair enough. But next week... We have a special guest coming on to talk AFLW Grand Final. Yeah. Uh, I won't name them yet because I don't know. <laughs> we need to make sure. Well, we've, you, been, we've been burned before with AFLW guests, Andrew. Yes, thank uh, you, Western Bulldogs. Yes. But, AJ, actually, just very quickly, the AFLW Grand Final could be any one of five, or any two of five teams could Ooh, make how, it. So Okay, so, so is the system of the game. There's one round to go, and there are five teams that can take what the the final two spots. Yes, all right. You don't seem very impressed, but that's okay. Oh, look, that's exciting. Okay, <laughs> I think it's time for you to go and I'm going to go feed sleep. and sleep. Feed and sleep. Yes. Good night, everybody.